Holy Hour of Power. Terry and Jesse show. My partner will be in the studio any minute now. He's on his way. Just want to remind you and invite all of you to the Terry and Jesse show. And and, and, and uh, if you like what you hear, you can support the show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMP Radio and our YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. Share us with your friends and evangelize everyone you love. The month of January is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. We actually celebrated that, that particular day on January 3rd. And the rest of the month now, we're in the ordinary time of the church. The liturgical colors are green. That means hope and growth and seeds. And, uh, and uh, again, the hope of reaping that eternal harvest called heaven, especially the hope of the glorious resurrection. Hey, today on The Rundown, a couple things we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how to vote as a Catholic with a clear conscience. Specifically, there's a couple of questions that we're going to answer. Uh, does the Catholic Church expect us to vote? Number one. We're also going to talk about distinguishing policy from principle. And you'll, you'll see what I mean. And we're also going to talk about distinguishing between choosing evil rather than the, the proper terminology is limiting evil, not choosing evil, but limiting evil. We'll talk about that as well. And then there's a hard-hitting <laughs> article that just came out in LifeSite News. Yeah. It's called uh, Bishop uh, Archbishop Vigano. Uh, he, he actually said that the book that came out from Cardinal Fernandez is yet another fruit of of the Vatican II revolution. So we'll talk about that. And I hear my partner, Terry, I just on, got on, back on, on, on the captain seat on the co yeah. Oh yeah. Co I, I, you know what I am, Jess? I'm a nobody trying to tell somebody about it. Somebody's name is Jesus Christ. That's you right. and I both run pretty fast. We got lots of fire, uh, fires going out that we're trying to work on. But Jesse, I, I know you yep. talked also yep. about, I'm sure father Frank Pavone also, uh, the, this yeah, is so yeah. important because we, I just got off the phone with Bishop Strickland, everybody. Uh, wow, he's out in the March for Life in Washington. It's freezing out there, but they're uh, they're standing up for our, life. Our, our friend John Yep is out there as well. John Yep is he's out, out there. there God him. bless him. Yeah. And, uh, Catholics for Catholics, great organization. So uh, yeah, we're just uh, doing what we can. But we're going to talk about how to vote with a clear conscience, which is incredibly important in our world today. So I'm yeah. I'm excited that that we can get really concrete, you know, ex examples of voting with a Catholic mindset because. You know, Jesse, I've had Catholics just, just today. A guy told me, he says, you know what? There's a guy on there that's going to run, but I don't like him personally. And I just can't vote for him. So I said, well, hold on a minute. Time out. Just give me a second. Do you like his policies? Yeah, yeah, I like his policies. And you, you don't want to vote for him because you don't like him? Um, you think you're going to meet him someday in, you know, these next four years? No. What's your point, dude? It's not. It's, don't do it. Don't don't make your decision based on who you like. Base it on the content of what they're going to vote for. This is more important, wouldn't you agree? So I think this is important. Hey, hey, Jess, I just jumped in, but are you ready for some soul food, or do you have some more good to know file stuff? No, that's it. I'm ready for. Let's some get some soul food, food brother. Yeah. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Uh, Mark chapter three, yeah. verses thirteen to nineteen. Yeah. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and he might send them forth to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
He appointed the twelve, Simon, whom he named Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he named, who he named Boanarges, that is, sons of thunder, <laughs> Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A couple things I'll mention, kind of on the apologetic side. Yeah. Notice that every time Peter is named in the New Testament, first. he's always first, Got it. and Judas is always last. Yep. That's kind of just goes to show you the, the order of importance of ascendancy. Also, notice that our Lord Jesus Christ chose 12 apostles to start the Catholic Church. The 12 apostles now make up what's called the New Israel of God. The old Israel of God was also 12 Jewish brothers, the 12 uh, sons of Israel. They are the ones that comprise what we call the nation of Israel, the the Israelites proper. But now Jesus Christ is starting a new Israel, the Catholic Church, and he appoints 12 Jewish men. Not Americans, not Europeans, not Mexicans, not Chinese. No, 12 Jewish men. Also, notice Jesus Christ sends forth the apostles with his authority with his authority, uh, to preach the gospel and to drive out demons. That means that every Catholic bishop by office is an exorcist. Exactly. Every Catholic bishop by office is an exorcist. And one of the ways that all of us have the power to drive out evil is by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice, that's the first form of driving out demons. When you preach the truth, you drive out the diabolical. I can tell you, I mean, just even in parish missions that I've done, I've had people get up and walk out, walk out as I'm talking, and Jesus Christ died for our sins. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. People get up and walk out. Later on, I've talked to them back in the vestibule in the foyer, and uh, they said, I said, "Uh, Jesse, I'm sorry for walking out on your talk. I said, yeah, and I'm not insulting, you know. It's to each his own. Maybe you don't like what I was saying. They go, no, no, no. I remember this one person a few weeks ago says, yeah, well, I'm, I'm possessed by several evil spirits. Wow. I'm, I'm seeing the diocesan exorcist. Yeah. And as you were preaching about Jesus Christ and his power and his love and his yeah. mercy and his death on the cross and his shed blood for us, the demons inside of me started attacking me. So I had to run to the bathroom and I had to actually vomit. Makes sense. Because of, of, and, and this has happened several times. As, um, as Terry says, power preaching, yep. people get up and walk out. And then after I, they come up and talk to me, they go, hey, Jesse, don't get insulted that I walked out on you. I say, oh, I'm not insulted. You know, everybody, you know, it's, it's a free will. They go, no, no, no. It's that I'm possessed by an evil spirit. I'm seeing the father so-and-so. I said, well, he's the exorcist. Yeah, I'm seeing him. And the demons started, uh, started attacking me as I was accepting and receiving the words that you were saying uh, for your presentation. So I've seen this, Terry. Oh, yeah. The preaching of the gospel, it drives demons away. Yeah, and Jesse, you have so many stories about that when you were at missions and talking. I'll never forget the and one. And they continue to happen. Yeah, they do. And Jesse, <laughs> we got a few minutes before I bring Bishop Sheen in. There's another one that I think would help the family, especially f- f- husbands. Tell us the story about the wife that was... In you know, New Mexico. In New Mexico. Tell this us. happened last year, probably about in December, November, yeah. December last year, not too long ago. Yeah. I'm in New Mexico. My wife will run in and tell me what city it was. I forget where it was. <laughs> I'm doing a parish mission. The church is pretty full. Yeah. So it's about 400 people are there. It yeah. holds about 400 people. Pretty much it was a full church. 
Um, and at the end, I started to say, okay, we're going to consecrate ourselves to the sacred heart of Jesus. So I got on my knees, faced the tabernacle, started facing, started seeing everybody repeat after me. So I started taking everybody through a consecration prayer to the sacred heart of Jesus. All of a sudden, about my knees, and I hear somebody behind me in the pack growling in a strong. I'm like, uh-oh, I've heard that before. I turned to my right. I saw a young Hispanic woman yeah. having a complete, a complete diabolical manifestation. And and she's 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 jumping up on the uh, uh, on the on the pew right. like she's riding a bronco. She's coming up and off the pew, two, three feet off, back down, back to just like she's riding a horse, and she's, and and guttural animal sounds are coming out of his voice. I told uh, some some of the people. I would say about a hundred people just ran out all six doors, ran out. I, I I told the people start praying your rosaries. If you're not on your knees, get on your knees. If you're on your knees, stand your knees. Start praying the rosary. So I started leading them. I said, let's fill the church with with the, with with the prayers of the rosary. As soon as I got them to start praying the rosary, I walked over to this woman quickly who's diabolically manifesting. And I said, where's her father? Because the priest had gone to, to do a, a, to a hospital run. I told the sacristan, call father to get here as soon as possible. I said, where's the, the father or the husband of this woman? Uh, some young man uh, right next to her raised his hand and goes, oh, 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 I'm the husband, oh, I'm the husband. I said, get over here, young man. I said, are you married in the church? Yes, we're married in the Catholic Church. We're, I said, good. Okay, put your hand on her head. Oh no, 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 no! I can't, I can't do that. When she gets like this, I get scared. Put your hand. I grabbed his wrist. I put it on her head. I said, repeat after me, and I took him through prayers, binding prayers over his wife. I had him say, uh, by by the natural law given to me by God the Father, and by the divine positive law given to me by God the Father, as husband of this woman through the sacrament of marriage, I bind this evil spirit, and I I'm ordering you, evil spirit, to leave my wife. She does not belong to you in Jesus' name. I had him repeat that about three times. Mm-hmm. And he's, say, he's saying it. I yep. said, don't be afraid. I'm here with you. And I'm holding his hand because he wants to pull back. He has his hand in her head. She's having a full, what, the way some people call like a grand mal seizure. Yeah. As soon as he says it about the third time, Terry, she completely stops. This thing shuts down. Wow. There's demons that are attacking her completely shut down. And she went completely quiet and sat still in the, in, in the pew and started crying. I, uh, he looked at me and goes, what do I do? I said, hug her. She's your wife. Hug her. <laughs> he, he goes over and hug her. I said, let her feel your love. Let her feel your p- protection. Hug her. The priest runs in. Jesse, what happened? I heard, every, I heard what happened. I caught the tail end. I said, Father, bless him. He ran to the tabernacle, put on his stole, put on his, yeah. uh, uh, took the blessed sacrament, and the monstrance came back. As they're hugging and crying each other chest to chest, yeah. He's praying over them in Latin. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wow, thank you for sharing that, folks. When we come back, we'll have uh, Bishop Sheen's quote of the day and much, much more about how to vote pro-life. And we come back here on the Terry and Jesse Show. When I say I'm blessed, boy, am I blessed. You are too, because we know the truth about Jesus Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess, thanks for sharing that story. I know we've had that on our YouTube channel called uh, 
full, a full sheen ahead if people want to get that story and share it with others because it's a powerful one. Uh, Jess, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop. <laughs> full sheen ahead. And this really, this quote sets us up to talk about uh, voting with a clear conscience. Bishop Sheen says, if one accepts the false philosophy of life, that there is no absolute distinction between right and wrong, that good and evil depend solely upon one's point of view, which is the world's view, that the individual himself is, is determinant of the virtue and vice, and then adds to it some very evil deed in keeping with the philosophy, it will not be long until the conscience is dragged and even killed. Jesse, I'm here to tell you that I think what Bishop Sheen said, most of the people in America, their conscience is dead because they've done exactly what he said. It's moral relativism. Your truth, my truth. They, they don't understand there's the truth, Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to proclaim it louder than ever. That's what's happening in Davos, Switzerland right now with the World yep. Economic Forum. Yep. And it's good to see that there are some people like the president of Argentina pushing back and some other some other presidents that are getting up there yeah. and uh, they have a conservative patriotic bent for their country and they're good. pushing back. Good. So it's not it's just not all uh, the, the leftists that are getting uh, getting some microphone time. Terry, yep. Father Pavone, uh, he's he's probably the, the clearest. Oh, yeah, because I he's agree. involved in this world, the world of politics. And so when it comes to thinking about politics as it relates to Catholics. I don't know anybody better than him. He's the top of the food chain. I agree. That's why we have him on Virgin Most Powerful once a month, at least interviewing him on how to be pro-life and how to uh, to fight this culture of death. Continue, please. Yeah, he, he's got a, a, an article. It's called... Uh, it's on his website, with, folks. Yeah, 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 voting with the clear conscience. Yep. And, but there's two things that I want to jump on, specifically paragraph four and paragraph eight. That's hang what on. I want to paragraph jump on four. for today. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. Four, okay, paragraph four and paragraph yep. eight. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, for, first of all, before we jump into paragraph four and eight, a yeah. lot of people ask, well, as a Catholic, what if I don't like, you know, one person, I can't stand what he's doing to our country, but the other person, I don't like his personality. So I'm, I'm going to sit this one out and I'm not going to vote. No. I would say that. The catechism says that we have a responsibility to vote. Here's what it says. 2240. Yep. Submission to authority and co-responsibility for the common good make it morally obligatory to pay taxes, yep. to exercise the right to vote, and to defend one's country. There it is. Yep. So we are morally obliged, per the catechism, to, to exercise the right to vote. Okay. Now, let's jump into two paragraphs because these are big issues for Catholics that don't know how to think through this issue. And the first one is to distinguish policy from principle. Yes. And, and nobody does it better than Father Pavone. I agree. Here, here's what he says. Yep. There are many issues, but some are more important than others. The U.S. bishops make this clear in, in Living the Gospel of Life. When they explain that the right, here it is, the right to life is like the foundation of a house. Yep. It holds up every other issue because it is the heart, it is the principle at the heart and core of every effort for justice and peace. Amen. Most disagreements between candidates and political platforms do not have to do with principle, 
but rather with policy. For example, it's a basic principle that we that people have a right to the safety of their own lives and possessions. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to fight crime. We don't see candidates campaigning on opposite sides of that principle with some saying fight crime and, 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 and the other defending the right to crime. No, no, no. Instead, there's an agreement. There is agreement on the principle that we got to fight crime, but there's disagreement on the best policies to implement the principle. Exactly. One voter concludes that one candidate has a better policy on crime than his opponent. While a second voter concludes the opposite. Both can vote in good conscience because as long as a policy doesn't break the principle, both policies may well be morally legitimate. It remains to be seen by trial and error, which works best. But when a, a policy dispute involves questioning whether people deserve the protection in the first place, the policy is the principle, yep. such as <clears throat> defund the police. Right. To allow abortion, which is the killing of a human child in the womb, is to break the principle that every human life is sacred and, and to deny the principle that life deserves protection. In fact, to allow abortion establishes a different kind of, of government, namely one that claims authority to tamper with human rights. The basic principle of our government is that, quote, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted amongst men, the Declaration of Independence. When a policy breaks the very founding principle of government, that is more than an ordinary political disagreement. That's why a candidate's position on abortion is about more than abortion it's about the kind of government it's about it's about, it's about the kind of authority government has mm -hmm. it is about who is ultimately in charge god or government it's about the most fundamental political question there can be candidates are supposed to advocate policies that advance the common good and the dignity of the human person a candidate who advocates policies that violate those fundamental principles should not be elected to public office because he or she violates the purpose of public office. Following our examples of political disputes that are not merely policy disputes, but disputes about principle. And this list is not exhaustive. No. Here's the first one. Terry, you want to share the first one? Sure. Uh, killing of children through legal abortion. Number two, the tiniest humans through destructive embryonic stem cell research. In other words, the killing of, tiniest, oh, of the tiniest humans. Number three, the killing of infants already partially born through partial birth abortion. Four, the killing of the disabled like Terry Schiavo yep. and the advocacy of euthanasia and assisted suicide. Number five, the denial of religious freedom, such as the freedom of doctors and institutions to refrain from actions they hold to be immoral. Number six, the denial of the natural institution of marriage as the union of one man and one woman. Number seven, the denial of the right to self-government. This denial occurs when candidates 
views judges and courts as the final arbiters of the public policy rather than the people themselves acting through their duly elected legislation. Like in California, when we said marriage was Proposition 8 back years ago, that said marriage is between a man and a woman, and the legislature said, hey, you folks that voted on that, pooey on you. No, it's not. Number in eight. other words, what I see Father Pavone saying yeah. is what Fulton Sheen says. Yeah. He says, both are saying that when the government mm-hmm. starts legislating morality, yeah. the government's gone too far. Right. Because morality is legislated by God through the church. Mm-hmm. And so the government can legislate policy. We need a stop sign here. Mm-hmm. We need a crosswalk there. We need to put uh, you know, a, a, a toll booth here, this yeah. freeway. Uh, we need to, we need taxes uh, in this city that's just been established so we can raise funds to, for the parks and public schools. That, those are policy issues. The government can do that, and they have the right to do that. But, but Father Pavone, I hear him saying, Terry, is when these, the government gets into morality, they've, they've overreached. Yeah, they're, over their, they're out of their lane, if you want yes. to our term. Stay in your yeah. lane. And so Father Pavone, the last sentence he writes there, he says, candidates, or I would even say political parties, who advocate these errors are embracing positions that transcend normal political disagreements and hence carry far more weight than positions on other policies. Yeah, like you said, Terry, Mm -hmm. they're out of their lane. Stay in your lane, politicians. Yep. When it comes to morality, I don't want you to tell me what's right and wrong in terms of morality, I want God to tell me what's right and wrong through his church. Amen. Jesse, there's so much in this article and these principles. Yeah, and the next, I, we'll, again, the next segment, we'll, we'll go through good. Uh, number really eight. Good. Number yeah, eight, because, okay. Yeah, because that's a good one, Terry. Yeah. The whole distinguishing, distinguishing about evil from li- limiting evil. That, yeah. That's huge. That's one of those things you can talk for an hour or two over a cup of coffee. Uh, I wanted to just mention before we break that I want to thank all of our listeners. Our listenership is growing, especially on YouTube. We've just grown leaps and bounds. And I want to ask those folks who are listening to go to Full Sheen Ahead on YouTube and start passing those clips around. Because every time you, you sign and say that you're registered and saying, I want to you know, embrace you, I want to get a notice about your videos, that helps us get more people to watch us. So I appreciate that. And if people want to go to CatholicRC.org, there's all kinds of downloads of of a con- content from Dr. Scott Hahn, from uh, just a variety of people from St. Joe Communications when we ran it years ago. So I made all this available to catechize you because, as Jesse and I have been saying, this is not a time to be a low-information Catholic. You have to really study your faith, love your faith, and live your faith. And I hope that Virgin Most Powerful Radio helps you do just that. Like the guy yesterday that called me in the f- 5 o'clock in the morning saying, this is what brought me back to the church, you guys telling me we need to get back in and get the confession, pray my rosary. He says, I'm making visits to the Blessed Sacrament. I got my wife and kids coming, praying you know, uh, with me now. I'm taking leadership. That's the existence of what Virgin Most Powerful Radio is all about. And those who have been supporting us monthly, you want to become a monthly supporter for $25 a month or more, you get all kinds of downloads for free, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of downloads, absolutely free for supporting us here at VMPR. Also, 
if you're thinking about going to the Spiritual Warfare Conference with Bishop Strickland and Father Chad Ripperger, Jesse's going to be there, Dan Schneider, all the guys are going to be there, you better get your tickets fast because they're running out quickly. We're going to have a full church. And if you want to do that, I warned you, don't wait until a week before the event and say, can I get my ticket? I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry. You're going to have to watch it on video. And those who are all the way in Europe or wherever they're coming from, you want to sign up. You can watch the stream of the talks anywhere in the world. So go to vmpr.org and either get there physically or through your computer and watch everything that goes on there. Also, we've got a men's conference, Johnny and Jesse Romero, in June, Father's Day's weekend. That we, they were so popular last year, the brothers. I go way back with them 25 years ago when these two guys were running out giving talks on the faith. It brought such joy to me to see Johnny and Jesse again talking on you know things that men need to hear. So you can yeah. register for that also. Stay with us, family. we got Father Frank Pavone's document on 10 Easy Steps to Voting with a Clear Conscience. We're going to cover distinguishing choosing evil from limiting evil. Very good topic. Stay with us. Yes, we're too blessed to be stressed. Stay right next to you. Thank you. What a great article Father Frank Ramon Priest for Life has given us, especially in this political year. Ten easy steps to voting with a clear conscience. And Jesse, you know, you hit number eight, distinguish choosing evil from limiting evil. That's a great topic. Yeah, because a lot of us as Catholics, uh, I've, I've done it in the past. Yeah. So I was corrected by Father Pavone and Father Ripperger and others. Yeah. We're not, we can't choose evil. So look at the way they explain it. Mm-hmm. We, so we can't say, oh yeah, choose the lesser of two evils. That's, that's a lazy way to speak. So here's what he says. Distinguish choosing evil from limiting evil. Ah, that's the way we say it. Mm-hmm. What happens if two opposing candidates both support abortion? First of all, refrain from putting any labels or endorsements on anyone. Don't call them anything. Or if you prefer, call them both pro-abortion. Then just ask a simple question. Which of the two candidates will do less harm to unborn children if elected? For example, is either the candidates willing at least to ban late-term abortion? Is either of them willing to put up some roadblocks to free and, and easy abortion? Will either support parental notification? or parental consent, or waiting periods? Has either of them expressed a desire to support pregnancy assistance centers? How about stricter regulation of abortion facilities? Has either candidate expressed support for that idea? Nobody is saying that's the final goal, but ask these questions just to see whether you can see any benefit of one of the candidates above the other. That's right. That would be like, for example, like like if Giuliani would have won against and ran against Clinton. Both are pro-abortion. Right. So you'd have to look at the other issues. How they So it says one of the two of them will be elected. There's no question about that. So you as a Catholic are not, are not free right now in this race to really choose the candidate you want. Forces beyond your control have already limited your choices. Whichever way the election goes, the one elected will not have the position we want elected f- officials to have on abortion. In this case, it is morally acceptable to vote for the candidate who will do less harm. Yep. This is not choosing the lesser of two evils. We may never choose evil. But in the case described above, 
you would not be choosing evil. Why? Because in choosing to limit an evil, you're choosing a good. Well said. Yes. Wow. You oppose the evil of abortion in every circumstances, no matter what. You know that no law can legitimize even a single abortion ever. If the candidate thinks some abortion is okay and you don't agree, but by your vote, you can keep the worst person out. And trying to do that is not only legitimate, but good. Some may think it's not the best strategy, but if your question is whether it is morally permissible to vote for the better of two candidates, the answer in the case described above is yes. Cardinal John O'Connor, rest in peace, Mm -hmm. in a special booklet on abortion, once wrote about this problem back in 1990. He said this, quote, Suppose all candidates support abortion rights. One could try to determine whether the position of one candidate is less supportive of abortion than that of the other. Other things being equal, one might then morally vote for a less supportive position. If all candidates support abortion rights equally, one might vote for the candidate who seems best in regard to other issues. And he's talking about the other non-negotiable issues. In this right. thing. Yeah. In this context, the question also arises as to whether one is required to vote for a third candidate who does not have a strong base of support, but does have the right position. The answer is no. You're not required to vote for this third party candidate. The reason is, is that your vote is not a canonization of a candidate. It is a transfer of power. You have to look concretely at at where the power is really going to be transferred and use your vote not to make a statement, but to help bring about the most acceptable results under the circumstances. Well said. Mm -hmm. Of course, our conscience may be telling us, don't say it's impossible to elect a candidate who doesn't have a strong base of support. Of course, it is possible to elect almost anyone if the necessary work is done within the necessary time. God doesn't ask us to elect almost anyone if the necessary work is done within the necessary time. Or God doesn't ask us to base our choices on the possibility of miracles, but rather on solid human reasoning. Mm -hmm. The point is that if there is a relatively unknown but excellent candidate, the time to begin building up support for that person's candidacy is several years before the election, not several months. What you have to ask as election day draws near is whether your vote is needed to keep the worst candidate of the two less acceptable, but the more realistic choices out of office. And Jesse, if I might add, Cardinal O'Connor was the uh, Archbishop Cardinal in New York, okay? Uh, Great Archbishop. His seminary was called Dunwoody, and the moral theologian who taught there was Monsignor William Smith. And he used this principle of a football game. And I think that anybody can understand this. This was well written. But it's like, okay, who's going to move the football towards the goal and make a first down? So if I, you know, I don't have someone who's going to give me a touchdown, like who's completely pro-life, but at least, you know, they're limiting abortions then we can vote because they're moving the ball towards our goal. The other guy is 100% killing unborn babies. Uh, He's not going to move the ball towards the touchdown. 
So this he's going to move. He's going to move it back. Exactly. So the, the the analogy was taught to me when I was twenty years old, and I've never wow. forgotten it, Jesse. I, I and you just, taught that to me. Yeah, of course I would. And, Jesse, and I and I wrote it in a book called "Knocked Off the Donkey." I used that principle you that you taught me. <laughs> well, you know what, Jess? You and I've been eating uh, the, from the same trough, and and everything you. How many times, folks? This is what you get here, at Virgin Most Powerful. I'll call Jess from Merrill. He'll call me, Terry. Did you know this? Here's something. Oh my gosh, Jesse! I need to get that quote. Okay, that's how we learn. And see, yeah. this is what we're doing on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're sharing the gospel because we love to learn. Remember, it was Socrates. He said, "If I know I'm, if I'm smartest because I know I know nothing, I'm still learning." Jess and I are still learning aspects of our faith that we want to share with you and the whole entire world. So, Father Frank Pavone, just do we have one more? Do we have a little bit more space to cover another um, uh, topic? Because I know we're running. Let's see, we're uh, we got yeah, yeah, we got a little bit. Yeah, we 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 could. Let me just let me just mention something real quick. Terry flew Monsignor. Uh, Smith, he, yeah. You flew him to, to, to the family conference right, over the years. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I watched him live oh, yeah. give this presentation. One of the best. And, and, so, and so, I mean, I, I remember taking notes as a young man. <laughs> uh, th- this guy was—he was a moral theologian. He was a giant, Terry. Yeah. He was an intellectual giant. He was. And I can tell you a lot of what I've learned. Terry has flown in. Cardinal Raymond Burke. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, Terry flew in some giants. Dietrich von Hild. I mean, uh, Alice von Hildebrand. You never fought, flew in Dietrich. He's already dead. Yeah, he was I'm dead sorry. before I got around. Okay, but uh, yeah, Terry, you, you. I mean, Father Benedict Groschel. I mean, the list goes on. Well, it's it, uh, you and I, I. cut my teeth as a very young man, yeah. sitting and <laughs> listening to some of the intellectual giants of Roman Catholicism. Father Mitch Pacwa. Yes, I grabbed. Their, I bought their tapes. I bought their pamphlets oh, and did. books. And so, you know, it's it only it's natural that all I'm doing right now is regurgitating all the good information that I learned from 20 years of family conference. Yeah. And Jesse, this is what we offer people. All these recordings I preserved and they're on the catholicrc.org website for people to get them. But if you're a monthly donor, these are the ones I give you for free. If you give $25 a month, you know, to to vmpr.org, you get hundreds of dollars back a product on the Catholic faith. I don't know of another investment where you put $25 down and you get a couple hundred dollars back a product uh, each month. Why do I do that? Because I want you to be a high information Catholic. And I want to tell you right up front, Jesse, people who aren't high information Catholics today, they leave the church. Mm. They do. That's just it. Because you know what they are? They, 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 they don't know their faith well enough. So when scandal comes, they go, well, hey, I'm running because I don't, I don't, if they don't believe, I don't believe. No, I say this all the time. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to have stronger faith every day so that when these times come and scandal come, and they will come, yeah. you say, okay, I'm going to pray for that bishop, or I'll pray for the pope, or I'll pray for uh, you know whoever it is, because they're not, it's not affecting your faith. You know what it is? It's making you get down on your knees and pray harder. That's, what, that's the attitude we need to have today. Terry, here's a short, uh, a short one. Point number six that oh, yeah. Father Pavone made: Good. keep your loyalty focused on Jesus Christ. Uh, that's it. That was yeah. What I wanted. In other words, don't fall into the heresy of Americanism. Yeah. Yep. I'm more this political party than I am a follower of Christ. Right. No, 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 no. Wrong. He writes: when you vote, you say something about where your loyalties are. There's nothing wrong with being loyal to a candidate or to a political party. Yeah. But there is something very wrong if your loyalty to either is stronger than your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Man. Ask yourself, is there a position that my party can take that would prevent me from voting the party line? 
Framed in another way, the question is, is my loyalty to the Christian faith stronger than my loyalty to any political party? For me and Terry, yes. Yes, there sure is. In the Gospel of Life, the U.S. bishops reminded us we get the public officials we deserve. It's true. (laughs) Their virtue or lack thereof is a judgment not only on them but on us. Because of this, we urge our fellow citizens to see beyond party politics, to analyze campaign campaign rhetoric critically, and to choose their political leaders according to principle, not party affiliation or mere self-interest, or I would say mere family tradition. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people vote according to the party of the candidate, perhaps because that's a family tradition. I just... Or because some group or friend has asked them to do so. But when is the last time you read the words of the, of, of the platform of that party? Incredibly Don't you important. think you should? Yes. You can find both party platforms at priestforlife.org forward slash elections. Platforms change. And if the platform of that party today contradicts the platform of the gospel and the moral law, you need to have that inner freedom to depart from personal, family, or community tradition and vote instead for the candidate and party that best reflects God's law. We, we are free to belong to the political party of our choice, but first we belong to Jesus Christ, and belonging to Him means that there are certain things that we can no longer assent to or go along with, including in politics and the voting booth. Well said. Oh, this is the important number right now. If we Catholics voted with our Catholic conscience, yes, the country would be... Pro-life. Yes, of course. And pro-natural marriage. Absolutely. Next week, come back. Archbishop Vigano uh, talks about Fernandez's blasphemous sex book is yet, in his opinion, this is an opinion, I don't happen to agree on everything on this, the fruit of Vatican II's revolution. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, indeed. Just before we get to that topic, I was just mentioning to our guys, we've got some of our police guys in the studio listening to the show, and I I mentioned, you know, the sad part is Catholics and non-Catholics vote similarly. So what does that Mm. tell you, how important that document is from Priest for Life? We need to get Catholics to vote as Catholics rather than a worldly view. So that's the point I'm making and why it's important. Let's get into Arch. Uh, let's get into Archbishop Vigano's uh, comment. His this opinion from LifeSite News, Jess, about uh, the blasphemous book, and he's nailing it. A blasphemous book. It's a pornographic book. Uh, he's he's pointing out in his opinion that this is the fruit of Vatican II, and I think he could have some credit by saying it when you read his article basically saying that, hey, whatever feels good in, in, in the new church, because we've had this spirit of Vatican II come yes, out. Yes, exactly. That uh, says, hey, uh, don't, don't bother me with the dogmas. I just want to do what I want to do. But let's get into this with the archbishop. Yeah, he, he, he said it's the fruit of the Vatican II revolution. Yeah. So he, so he didn't say no, the it's documents. the, it's the about, documents. No, no, no. He's talking about, Terry, the the Marxist, yeah. the modernist, and the, Masons, yep. and, the, and the Masons, yep. theologians, and bishops yep. at Vatican II, yep. that some of the documents, not all, there's 16 documents, I've read them all, I'm, I'm pretty well read yeah. in Vatican II, there are four documents that there's ambiguous statements, I'll yep. give them to you right now. Yeah. The Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy. Mm-hmm. That's that gives heartburn to 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 some people that call themselves traditional Catholics. I think you can read that document and you can really get the the the, the Anglican ordinary mass out yeah. of that document. Let, let me just jump you in can. on that particular topic yeah. and say, think about what 
Vatican II says when he says in the, on that document that the, church, the priest turns around and says, the Lord be with you. I ask everybody listening, how many of you go to church with ad orientum where the priest is facing the altar? I do. Yeah, because I go to an Anglican ordinariate mass. But 99% of the Latin rite churches don't implement Vatican II. There's an example. Exactly. Continue. Yeah. Now, uh, out of the 16 documents, there are four that have some ambiguity. Uh, and Because uh, and I've read them over and over. Oh, yeah. The decree on ecumenism. Oh, yeah. Granted. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's some ambiguous language there. The declaration on the relation of the church to non-Christian religions. Right. There's some ambiguous language there. And the declaration on religious freedom. Yep. Now, the other documents say they're just cut and paste from St. Thomas Aquinas, right. the Council of Trent, the Council of Florence. And so... What's what's happening with with uh, Cardinal Fernandez is just in the words of Cardinal Mueller, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah. There is a lot of modernist and malformed theologians post Vatican II, yeah. and he happens to be one of them. And 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 you could see that with the two books that he's written, where he where he he sp- he expends a lot of time, Terry, talking about things below the waist. Yeah. That, that's 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 not that's not becoming of a celibate chaste priest no, it isn't. to be to be f- f- reflecting it. Terry, you've written a book. You know how much time it expends to write a book. Oh, yeah. You're thinking about these stories of evangelization. You're writing. You're editing and re-editing and and going and saying, okay, what? Maybe I'll change this story and that yeah. story. You put a lot of energy into writing a book. This man has written two books, Terry, that are pornographic. It's called porno theology. Yeah, that was a, a word that was used by by a, a great priest uh, who passed away in 95, uh, Father Fe- uh, Febro. Febro. Uh, it, it, and, and you could see that he's, this, he spent a lot of time doing this, yeah. it, just meditating upon this. And remember at Holy Mass, how do we offend God? Penitential right. We offend God, we sin against God by what? Thought, word, word and deed. And deed. Exactly. So Cardinal Fernandez, uh, Terry, this man has spent a lot of time thinking about sexual intimacy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's right. he he's out of his lane. And yeah. Terry, he, I just found out through this article, you know what his PhD's in? No, I didn't. Moral theology. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Moral theology. Now, here's again, a lot of these modernists <laughs> they had no intentions and still have no intentions of implementing Vatican II, as it says, yeah. they have no intention of doing that, Terry. Right. They want to implement what's called, and they came up with this term, it's called the spirit of Vatican II. Right. And that's the same thing that they're going to do with fiducia supplicans. Right. When people point out, it doesn't technically say that a priest should give a spontaneous blessing to a homosexual couple. People are going to say, I know it doesn't say that technically, but it's the spirit a fiducia supplicans right. that allows us to do that. And Terry, so this is exactly the the left, the modernist Masonic mm-hmm. left in yep. the church that have infiltrated the church that they play fast and loose with doctrine. And that, and, and that's, that's where I would agree with Archbishop Vigano yep. is that, I'm, is that, that. Uh, this is, this is modernism has been around. As I tell people that we talk about these issues, I say, some people say modernists started in the 60s. No. Baloney. Baloney. You have popes talking about modernism a hundred years ago. Of course. 
Modernism started a l way, way, way before Some Vatican say, II. Say French Revolution. That's what, that's Taylor Marshall. Yes, that's he, my position. Taylor Marshall's position is that is, is that modernism started two hundred years ago. Exactly. And so, I would agree with Archbishop Vigano and others mm -hmm. is that at Vatican II, it was. I mean, what was the spirit of the age, Terry? Let's don't condemn the, anything. Yeah, yeah. We had, you know, free love. Yep. The Vietnam War. That's right. Question authority. Yep. The suicide of Martin Luther King. The yep. suicide of John F. Kennedy. That's right. Uh, the hippie movement. The free love movement. The Woodstock movement. Mm -hmm. the, the, the homosexual... Uh, the, the, uh, Rights movement started in New York, in Greenwich Village, New York, in yep. 1969. That's right. Uh, the Church of Satan. Let's just be honest. The 60s, uh, the collapse of Catholic colleges where they bought into, uh, they bought into, they the, want federal money. Lake, the Great Lakes uh, signature yeah. thing, yeah. And so what I'm saying is that the 60s, yeah. boy, oh boy, man, the devil was working overtime uh, on on society, yeah, uh, humanity you know, also. Oh, yeah, the humanity vitae, and then the denouncement Denial of humanity vitae of by by most of the presidents of Catholic That's colleges right. and even many bishops. Yeah, uh, and so yeah. and so what I see, Terry, the modernists and the Masons at Vatican II, it was their coming out party. Exactly. Kind of like what I would give a, a, a crude analogy of prostitutes coming out. I've never seen it before, yeah. but I've heard prostitutes coming out of a wedding cake at a, a secular bachelor's party. Yeah, okay? yeah. This is this is what the modernists did at Matt. In other words, they felt the the spirit of the age is here. The time is right. Yeah. We can go out and implement our own ideas and poo-poo the actual words of Vatican II, Terry. Yeah. That's my, that's no, my position. That's a very fair statement, and I agree with that totally. And, and here's the bottom line on all this, folks. The bottom line is these people have used Vatican II. They say, oh, in the spirit yeah. of Vatican II, let's do Correct. this synodality. Let's do this about being open and not condemning. And, you know, the point of it is, is we want to be biblical, okay? We've got to have a biblical worldview. And this is why uh, it's important now. We see people in high positions of the church saying things like, well, I don't like the act of contrition. It's too hard on us. What? Oh, my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. I think some people in the church, high officials, think you can't offend God. Well, they're wrong, okay? Whether it's the pope or the bishops, we, we actually are doing them a favor by saying, wait a minute, that's not consistent with what the deposit of faith said. Every single bishop, including the Pope, signed off on this, saying that they would promote, then teach the deposit of faith. So if a bishop, even a Pope or a Cardinal, isn't teaching that, do we shut up and say, no, I can't say anything. He's the Pope. He's the Archbishop. He's a Cardinal. No, if we love them enough with, re with respect and love and devotion and also praying for them to say, no, the Church teaches that there is hell and that there are souls that go to hell. Look at the biblical worldview. We talked about this earlier in the week. Why are we so passionate about it? Because it's the truth, Jesse. It's not your opinion. You know, you just told me this is your opinion. I don't care. I agree with this on this topic right now. But what's more important is not Terry Barber's opinion, Jess Romero's opinion. What does Jesus Christ say about these moral issues? And that's what we have to go with. Yeah. One sentence that I do like from this article written about... Uh, from Archbishop Vigano, yeah. he says, towards the end, he says, in the second pa the paragraph to the bottom, he says, 
what Fernandez writes in his book, La Pasión Mística, is not that different from what actually happened on Jeffrey Epstein's island. That's a good line right there. Yeah, that is. Yeah, he says, but this is not normality, even if it's what the author of the pamphlet would like us to believe with pseudoscientific petulance on a hormonal and psychological level that there are no pure males and females. Uh, another thing he says, he says, virtue, <laughs> something unknown to the new usurpers of Santa Marta. This is Cardinal Vigano taking a shot at Fernandez. He's, virtue, something unknown to the new usurpers of Santa Marta. The silence we have witnessed so far has finally been broken by a choral protest, to say the least. The list of entire Episcopal conferences of some cardinals, of diocesan ordinaries, of associations of clerics and professors, of ecclesiastical disciplines who oppose Pope Francis is growing, uh, and this, and this uh, fiducia supplicant, yeah. is growing longer every single day. And, I agree with him on that. And let me, ask, uh, yeah. let me just yeah. wish the Archbishop Vigano a happy birthday. His birthday was this week, okay? okay. He's 87 years old. Jesse... I hope Man's and pray. A fighter, man. what a yeah, I hope and pray that you and I, at age eighty-seven, are as as in <laughs> love zeal. with Jesus Christ yeah. and has the zeal to proclaim it in season and out, because He is the John the Baptist of the Church today. <laughs> he sure is. Yeah, God bless him, and God bless all these uh yeah. these bishops that are speaking Africa. truth to power. Yeah. It's not popular, Terry. No, you know it's uh it's not popular. You can lose your head, yeah. and many of them are are losing their 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 office. They're, they're right. heads of office, and they're losing that. Good priests and, and, and good, uh, good bishops. Hey, well, bottom line is we're all called to be great saints. Don't miss exactly. the opportunity. Exactly. Uh, remember, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the first pope said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We're called to be a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. Let's pray America great again. Let's put the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. Yep. Let's keep speaking the truth. <laughs> and let's speak the truth to power and live without fear, Terry. God bless you, Jess. Hey, God bless all of our listeners. Remember, I asked Jesse this question. It's the most important question of all. What state should we be living in, Jess? Last time I checked, state of sanctifying grace. Last time I checked, don't live in a state of mortal sin. And remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell. Yeah, there is hell. Because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. We can join the sacrificial aspect of our faith with Jesus Christ on the cross every time we go to Mass, unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. So participate in that. Make everything a sacrifice. Thanks again for joining us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And may God richly bless you and your family. And thanks for supporting our mission, which is the salvation of souls. God love you.